Yeah, I think part of our success has been, you know, people will say you need to have support from the top. And I take it further. You need to have engagement and shelter in some form from the top of the organization. We benefited from that. I also look at it as innovation, you know, in a big corporation or government body, you have to think about what innovation focus do you want to have? You could have incremental innovation. You could have disruptive innovation or transformative innovation. If you're doing incremental, that should be as close to the products that you currently have. And if you're going to do disruptive... Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Mike Fields, Vice President from State Farms. Mike, thanks for making time. It's great to be here, Jess. So for people who don't know about all the innovation things you guys are doing or what Red Labs is that you lead, can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, a little bit of my background, you know, I've joined State Farm out at Indiana University. Early in my technology career at State Farm, you know, I gravitated a lot of first-of-a-kind efforts. And what Red Labs is, is is looking for those first-of-a-kind efforts across our diverse set of uh, products and, and new ones that we might think about to look for ways to help more customers in more ways. And we're basically State Farm's internal incubation team. We work on disruptive and transformative innovation. And just looking, we love what we do for customers today, but our mindset is we could always do better. So, you know, I don't know that a lot of people think insurance company innovation. It may not be like the first first term that comes to mind for them. Right? I've heard that before, Jess. <laughs> and then I watched the YouTube video about Red Labs and you guys are doing stuff with drones and AI and all sorts of crazy stuff. Tell us about some things that maybe people wouldn't expect State Farm to be doing. Yeah, so people talk about, you know, what's going on in the U.S. with drones. And actually, we've been doing drone work for four or five years now. We're the only insurance company to have waivers from the FAA to fly extended site. And that's really important, whether it's us, Google, Amazon. Because otherwise, you have to only fly to where you can see. We went through that. We've been serving customers through drone flights in hurricanes and and the unfortunate fires that have happened. So that's one thing we've been doing. State Farm is focused on innovating in our core products and so always looking for ways to bring uh, more capabilities. And so we have an award-winning mobile app where we, State Farm has done Red Labs has brought forward uh, a brand new company. We started a uh, new startup inside of Red Labs called Sundial Labs, and what it's helping is seniors stay in their homes longer with the support of a care circle. So those are a few things that we've been doing. We have we probably have 12 efforts underway at various stages. So, you know, I'm interested. So I want to dive into some of these things you've just covered. And I'm interested, one of the first things that I really like to talk to, you know, we had the chief innovation officer from Cisco on here. And we had a innovation lead from ADP, the, or um, not ADP, those, that's a check. Those guys are the payroll guys. Who are the guys in Chicago that are like the biggest wheat distributors? Oh my gosh, this is too funny. Oh, ADM. ADM, <laughs> sorry. Ian was like, great. He's like, they're doing all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't expect. But, you know, when people hear a company, I think it, like year before last, you guys did like $80 billion in revenue, Right. And so often innovation gets associated with small companies and small teams. And people think that big guys like you can't, you know, cut through all the bureaucracy. And, and obviously you are. 
Any thoughts for folks who maybe are up against that, whether they're in the federal government or a large corporation, and there's a lot of layers and and there's a lot of people who want to put their their there's a lot of people who could have veto power. <laughs> Any thoughts about innovating in environments like that? Yeah, I think part of our success has been, you know, people will say you need to have support from the top. And I take it further. You need to have engagement and shelter in some form from the top of the organization. We've benefited from that. I also look at it as innovation, you know, in a big corporation or government body. You have to think about what innovation focus do you want to have? You could have incremental innovation. You could have disruptive innovation or transformative innovation. If you're doing incremental, that should be as close to the products that you currently have. And if you're going to do disruptive or transformative innovation, it needs to have a little shelter and be a little distant from the current products. You got to be comfortable. And it's really hard for for large companies. You know, they have successful products, but you got to be comfortable starting from scratch, thinking about, you know, how to serve the customer in new and different ways. One of our keys to successes is focusing on small, starting that, iterating, adjusting, always checking your assumptions. And in large companies too, you have to win together. So it's you got to share some credit. You got to get allies that you're trying to help. And, and innovation isn't a group. It's a risk to say, oh, innovation's in red labs. It's really a different roles. And you bring people along and you get them involved, win together, but you also have to be willing to push through it. I say one of my best traits is to have thick skin and patience to push through it. But we, we've been blessed from a lot of support and then success breeds followers. And so Start small, get it out there, test, learn from it, and lots of the organization will get behind you. So let's dive into some of these things. So using drones for you know people either in a hurricane path or after a hurricane or with the wildfires, can you tell us any stories about that stuff? Yeah, one, one thing we did, the f- first thing we did is we wanted to, and in, in dr- our drone flights is, is kind of a story of starting somewhere and needing to pivot along the way and, and change based on need. But one of the things we looked at is if you just look at the flood maps in the U.S., you know, where water is going to go, where's the flood basins, those, those sort of things. The flood maps are really old. You know, they're they're from the 70s or earlier. And so we wanted to fly, you know, square miles to look at the possibility with drone footage, which was at least 22x better resolution to see if we could create new models of flood and where water would go. So that would be an example. We also looked into flying and did some tests of flying vegetation in fire prone areas and trying to use models that would take the images, stitch them together and give customers some indication of the hazard that they were in. And then we, we have a tradition for many years now of flying in, you know, when a hurricane comes through like Delta other hurricanes where you fly over and you just try to settle, you know, where where you can't get claims adjusters in or other reasons you would fly over and try to get people, make them whole quicker using the drone footage to settle claims faster. You know, about an hour ago, I just finished the interview with the CEO who took Dunkin' Donuts from like $100,000 in profit to $120 million in profit, you know, $2.5 billion in revenue. And he he must have said the word convenience, like, I don't know, 30 times, right? He's always about, can we get them something better? Can we get it faster? Can we make it part of their day? He sat on the board of Domino's Pizza and he's saying, talking about, can we get Domino's Pizza locations in the path of somebody driving home instead of only delivery, right? So to right. me, like, so my wife is like a walking state farm ad. 
she loves State Farm Insurance so much. You guys oh, have been good you. to us. Uh, we we totaled the minivan and had some other issues, and you guys were like really great to us personally. And and I can see how like at traumatic times like that, like you know, so this was about three years ago, and I kind of feel like every day since then is like uh, an extra day on Earth because I was. I had an accident with a semi truck at 70 miles an hour on the highway. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. And everything was in slow-mo and I thought it was just about to roll in the middle of the, and, and I was like, Oh, this is it. I guess this is how I go, you know? And I, I somehow didn't. And you guys took care of it like really fast. And I think that's one of the reasons that she's like, talks, talk, like you don't see that many people in our friend circle getting excited about insurance and she gets excited about you guys. And to me, something like that of like, how quick can you turn around a claim? It, it, you know, it's the opposite of like the insurance in uh, the Pixar movie, The Incredibles, where they just say no every time and they, you know, they drag their feet and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. I would just. Oh, sorry. go ahead. No, no, no. Nope. I just add in there that we we want to, you know, people talk about automation and technology, which we want to do. We want to make sure it's convenient. You can access this in any way you want of your choosing as a customer. But you also, you know, we, we believe in a people plus technology approach. We, we don't want to lose. We want people to be able to focus on the moments, the traumatic moment that you went through, having empathy, being able to walk you through that, being there for you, being courteous, operate with integrity, operate at appropriate speed and settling things. And also being there for your questions and, and also our, our, Nate, our agent network is, you know, be local with you in a community, but also the the power of our national brand and, and how we approach things. And I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, you were able to work through it and, and you're all safe. But that's our core mission is is really come at the where the customer needs us with that empathetic and integrity approach. So with the fires, what does it look like? What do drones look like with the fires? Yeah, I think we're still figuring that out, Jess. I, I would say, you know, our first view on that is to be able to see if we could predict preventative measures. We're focused on preventative measures using the footage with drones that, that fly over, looking for homes that, you know, don't have the right spacing with bushes and that sort of thing. It, privacy in mind always, you know, but using that to help customers do the preventative. And then unfortunately we're having fires and, and where appropriate use those to recover people faster, get them into temporary living if, if that's what they need. But we're still figuring out that value prop. I would say we're on a journey with drones. If I could pivot and just add one thing in the in the fire space that may be of interest, we've we got a three year engagement with a company called Whisker Labs. They're a small startup. Uh, they were spin out of Earth Networks, and what they developed was they have a plug that you can plug in. It'll check the electrical current in your wall, looking for arcing and sparking in houses, and that can happen in new and old houses. And it will then detect, and if you have an issue, we'll, we'll send out electrician through Whisker to fix that and to prevent. We've had you know well over 20 fines around that. But what we're doing in fire-prone areas is we've seen the ability for this device on scale to detect things on the grid, on the electrical grid. And so we're running a very large-scale test to see could we predict when arcing and sparking is happening on the power grid and warn you in that way as well? Wow. So I'm interested thinking about how some little startup, I mean, you guys have, I think almost like 60,000 employees, right? You've been around almost a hundred years, another, another year or so here. 
some small little startup, how do they get into some fancy executive like yourself? What does that process look like? Yeah, well, I engage with startups all the time. I'll give you a few. We have a national scouting team. So we have people in Silicon Valley. We have people in the Midwest and we have a presence on the East Coast. We're always engaging. My scouting director that works with me, he talks, him and his team talk to 100 startups on average a month, not just for needs that we have in Red Labs, but other products in State Farm. We've connected, you know, dozens of startups. I also reach out. I'm mentoring at 1871 with startups to just share my experience and could lead to things that could not. And we also have just ways to reach out from our websites, from other ways to get involved. And, you know, we've got the benefit of a lot of startups and, and we see the value of that. We also work with VCs across the country as well. That's cool. Well, I want to hear about this, this sundial, this, this new business. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we have a, the way we work in Red Labs is we do these things called concept domains. So you think of these as product suite possibilities. We have several of these and then we invest in them. We, we, we tend to think of it as like series A, B funding. We take one or two teams and we put it on it. And about two years ago, we did that in a concept domain we called senior living. And we were studying how we could help older adults. How can we bring more services, help them in more ways? And we noticed that the growing trend is older adults want to stay in their home longer. And they have a care circle, friends and family that are around them, that help support them. These are people that are still pretty mobile, still want to be independent, which is a growing trend. And so we built out the concept of that in 2019. We did testing, we did market research, we looked at it, the addressable market, and we, we came to the conclusion there's there's a product here that we could bring value. We created Sundial. It's a new affiliate, a new subsidiary of State Farm. We funded it with a small team. It operates like a startup under Red Labs. What it's doing is bringing a subscription-based service that allows a senior to stay in their home and then helps the care circle manage the everyday activities that's, that seniors or older adults need to be effective or, you know, to be independent, think like grocery shopping, joint task lists that need done, lawn mowing, whatever. Think of calendars, sharing memories of friends and family. And then we brought forward, we saw a growing uh, trend where older adults are very much desiring to use their voice more. They are more comfortable with that on average than other technology. And so we gave a whole voice interface to it and released that product in June. We've made 30 adjustments along the way because we believe in starting small and iterating. Uh, and we're on a journey with this new startup as part of a large company. So I'm just on the website now. This is the right one, sundial-labs.com. Yes, that's, that's right. So yeah, I'm seeing the Alexa integration here. That's interesting. So these, like an example of something that you guys are finding and improving and iterating, what, what, what does that look like in voice? Yeah. So on the Alexa, you know, being able to, if you just do like, if you want to make a list, like a grocery list, we have teams that have worked on voice for other products that we were leveraging, but just to, to say out a grocery list, I want an apple. How many do you want? We're iterating through and trying to make that as smooth as possible. Older adults, you know, well, me, I'm an older adult. You know, we talk differently, some fast, some slow. We've iterated through that to get a consistent experience. And we've um, stayed close to the, you know, the innovation Amazon delivers. But we think voice is far beyond the Alexa. It's in many other channels, mobile, some other work we're doing in the call center. So we've, we've tried to bring all that together to bring the best experience. So when you look at in certain ways that you guys are leading the charge that maybe other insurance companies haven't quite caught on to, what do you attribute that to? 
I, I see it as, I mean, there very much is support in the broader State Farm organization. Our, our company, you know, our, our mission isn't to sell more insurance. It, that isn't our mission. Our mission is to help more people in more ways every day. We want to do that. We want to bring more greater service to, you know, U.S. citizens. And we have a, a vision from our CEO. He's been very supportive. He's funded it. He's had patience, him and his team. And I think that combination, along with, we're very transparent. I, I firmly believe in being as transparent as possible, good or bad, sharing in the winnings. And I think it's just also based on a long tradition at State Farm of innovation. We've uh, helped improve auto safety over the years by seatbelts and and. Uh, airbags. We've helped improve building materials in hurricane-prone areas. So it's just in that big tradition. Very cool. What's another What's another innovation story that'd be fun to tell? Yeah, I think another one that we're working on is we have our term as a voice bot. So one thing we want to do is if we can take repetitive tasks and automate those in a, in a good way, we then our our claims reps or our first line folks can, you know, like you, work with you when it's a, a traumatic situation in an empathetic way and, and have the right tools. And so we, we noticed that there was a lot of manual processes along the way for doing going into Hertz, for example, and getting a, a rental when you've had a wreck. And so we put together a voice bot that you can talk to with natural language, just like you're talking to me, that will fulfill that request quickly, took away all the, all the waiting out of the process, can run 7 by 24, can scale as high as we want. We're pretty proud of where that's at. We see that as an emerging area that's happening across you know, many industries. So for the rest of us who aren't in insurance, you know, the listeners of this show, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs, we've got a lot of investment fund managers. Any any tips on adapting some of those principles to our businesses? Yeah, I think these principles, uh, you know, the, the way we operate applies across the industry, across size of company, in my mind. Being very transparent, open and honest, embracing, you're going to have failures. I mean, we have failures. I We've stopped, you know, probably six, eight things. Being okay with that, pivoting when you need to, uh, being good with that, embracing that as a chance to learn more, you know, bring that forward, starting small, you know, starting for the smallest cost possible to have a failure or to pivot or to learn something. And then, you know, working through it, finding your community, staying close to those customers and, you know, really iterating with them, understanding their need. I think that applies across all size and shapes of companies. Any thoughts about that iteration of like, maybe just as you've done this over the years, things that you feel like you picked up to be better at that? Yeah, I think here's the, here is just a real challenge if you look at it, especially you want to be customer oriented and you have to force yourself to start somewhere small. But if you look at it, you're like, I want to give the most features possible to meet that customer need. And you have to guard against that because um, an example at Sundial, we, when we launched Sundial, we thought, oh, we're going to have the older adult, they're going to have a care circle, one person's going to buy it, and then we're just going to distribute it. Well, it turns out it's a, it's a family buying decision. So if we would have just went forever on that, you know, we decided to put it in market, let's test it, let's change it. And I think you just got to be, uh, force yourself down that path and, and try to learn as quick as possible. And as your point there, it's a family buying decision because all the other people in that care circle need to, you know, need to buy into this is what we're going to use to help mom or whatever. Yes. And mom has to feel like it's uh, done with integrity and it's not somebody watching her 
And we kind of just thought, well, that will just naturally happen. But we had to build tools to help them have the discussion. What, what's an example of one of those tools? Uh, so just like a discussion guide, like what is this? Uh, you print it off. You can simple thing, right? To learn before we over automate it. You print it off. It's on our website. You can print it off. It's what is this about? What are the key features? Why why would it be important? How would it work? You know, it, you know, just a few things about how it works across the platforms, that sort of thing. And it's just a PDF. We print it off. We started there. So you know, again, being a big eighty billion dollar a year company with sixty thousand staff. I'm interested in ways that you you pull back and you choose to just start with a PDF rather than like, you know, people who might get tempted to build the entire app in case somebody wants it. Yeah, so Red Labs is actually quite a bit smaller. Again, I mentioned that the concept domains by design, those are one to two teams and our teams are five to seven people. They're, they're forced to be constrained. We're actually, Sundial is run as a uh, separate business with uh, constraints. And here's where I'm at on that, Jess, is actually overfunding innovation is can be a problem in large organizations. You kind of want to go after everything. You're not constrained enough. And so you could chase a lot of the wrong things that aren't really important to the customer or to you know helping people. And so I believe in funded so you can be successful and get into a rhythm. But, en- but enough constraint on funding so that you have priorities, you make tough decisions, and we do that every year. Any, any guidance for people who are trying to make tough decisions? They want to do it all, but they need to figure out, you know, what's the alligator closest to the boat to deal with first? Yeah, I'd recommend uh, the book Measure What Matters from John Doerr. Oh, ob- objective key results, you know, trying to get like, what are you trying to make an impact on, trying to align with those. Now, it doesn't always have to be financial measures because some things take a little bit longer. Other, another aspect that we try to do is talk to the customer as early as possible. We, we use our own customer labs, websites that do this. And for Sundial, we got permission and went and talked to older adults at their home about what we're doing. So I think, you know, when you're trying to do it, try to get something and then try to say, how can I start and show success? And it's harder depending on the industry you're in, but finding a way to go to market and test it as as early as possible. Very cool. Well, listen, I know we're about winding up part one here. What about what about one of my favorite questions? What's a piece of advice you would give back? You would give your an earlier version of yourself if you could. Yeah, I I think I would tell myself over and over again, you know, don't sweat the little things. Keep focused on the big picture. I think when I was younger, I sweated the little things a little too much. Like like what's an example? You know, if you're gonna be all worked up over getting a feature in and and you know the details of that. You have to look and stay in in the, if you're thinking aspirationally where you're going to go, does that feature in one or two days or weeks matter in the scheme of things? And if it does really focus on it, but a lot of times it's, it's the collective thing of what you're doing rather than, you know, that specific thing. I love it. Okay, everybody tune back into part two. We're going to keep asking Mike for more stories. Thanks for listening.